Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And we have a very special treat for everyone out there, for your ears. Uh, Casey, our video, video producer extraordinaire, is standing in as our podcast producer. <laughs> so he basically is in charge of us in every way, shape, and form right now. Uh... <laughs> That's right. I, I realized, Chuck, that um, you were just doing vocal fry. Yeah. <laughs> I have no ear for it. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, before Casey, we asked him to choose which one to do first, and he went vocal fry. And I didn't even notice. Yeah. You got the fry filter. <clears throat> do you think that means that I do it? Because I was trying to think. I don't know. I know that I up-speak sometimes or up-talk, but it's fairly infrequent, I think. Yeah. And um, But I don't know if I like vocal fry or not. I have no idea whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. Did I just do it just now? I did, didn't I? I don't know. We'll have to listen to the playback. I guess so. I just did it. Listen to the playback. That sounds like normal speaking to me. I know, man. Huh. Because, well, we'll get into this, but it's uh, a lot of people contend that there's a lot of sexism going on with it. A lot. Because I just said it, and people probably won't write in and say anything about it. But if I were a woman, people would probably write in and say, the way you talk is so annoying. And you know what? I think like a lot of people are trying to dance around this or prove that it's sexist. It's like, no, on its face, yeah. this is a sexist argument that's going on right now. Yeah. I mean, it, just look around. We had Tracy and Holly on recently, and they talked about emails that they get about their voices being shrill. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, other podcasters here we had in the past, other women who had podcasts, would get just lots of email detailing uh, the quality of their voice. Right. And we don't really get those much. Occasionally, I guess. No, you want to have some fun? Go on to iTunes, yeah. find a podcast that is hosted by women, and read the reviews. Yeah. And then go read the, the reviews for a podcast that's hosted by men. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, it is. And when somebody like Bob Garfield from NPR calls the calls vocal fry repulsive, yeah. that's a really good point for everyone else to stand back and be like, what's this guy's real problem? Yeah. Because repulsive is not a correct word to use to describe vocal fry. No. It, it, it's wrong. It's it's wrong. It's like it's like he's pointing at something else, but he thinks he's pointing at the vocal fry. Who knows what's going on? But yes, on its face it's a misogynistic argument that's that's being carried out. I'm just putting yeah. it out there right now. I don't plan on dancing around it at all. We're not dancing. No. Uh it, and it is all very ironic considering that vocal fry can be traced back to British men yeah. in the 1960s. Uh, yeah. I mean, think about like Sean Connery. Okay. I'm thinking about him. Okay. <laughs> that was it. Had nothing to do with vocal fry. Okay. I just wanted to see if I could get you to think about Sean Connery. Well, apparently they traced it back to 1964 when British men, the mid-60s, used it to denote superior social standing. Right. And I think... I'm trying to imagine my head, and I think it's like, you know, you, sir, shall not question me. Oh, that's good. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like it, masculinity and a, 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 an into a statement by lowering your voice to right. the fry. That sounded like William Randolph Hearst, by the way. <laughs> sounded a lot like that. But it, but it makes sense also. It, it basically, when you hear vocal fry... It, it is, and we'll tell you exactly what it is in a second, but you know what it is. Sure. Um, 
when you hear vocal fry, it, it denotes that you can't be bothered to be enthusiastic about it. Okay. Or in the case of British, another way to put it is it's a very dry it's way being of British. speaking. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know? Um, and I, they, they, they say, they, um, linguists, vocal fry in its current use among younger girls or millennials in yep. general is a way to indicate like, I'm over it or I am not to be bothered with this any longer or in some cases it makes them seem authoritative. We'll get more into that a little bit. So in later. other words, it doesn't mean they're dumb and don't know how to talk correctly. It, they're actually trying to accomplish something right. by speaking in a certain way like every other human on earth. Exactly. I just did it again. This is really going to make me look at myself, I think. I think. I, I think. <laughs> well, actually, let's talk about upspeak. This is going to be all – this is vocal fry – it's upspeak. It's using the word like. All these vocal mannerisms and ticks, maybe, that people have these days. Right. Because language changes and evolves. We don't talk like we did 60 years ago. No. Like, for example, the mid-Atlantic accent is gone. What was that? That was the radio announcer. Oh, the, see? Um, yeah, that yeah, guy? That was kind of... No, not really. I okay. think that was the antithesis of it. Oh, okay. It was more like... Um, all right, uh, uh, George Plimpton. Right. Fraser Crane. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Burns. It's like, it, it, it it's like, uh, the difference is split between British and, you know, um, Eastern American. I thought you were just naming old white dudes. <laughs> kind of, but I mean, it was the language of the aristocracy in sure. the first half of the 20th century, right? Yeah. It is gone now. Mm -hmm. And they think that it was basically run out by guys like Jimmy Cagney. Yeah. And, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. And, um, Marlon Brando. Yeah. And that the way that they talked was not like that. And, and they made their style of talking, which is how we talk now. We're like super Brando now. Right. Uh, is, is a result of, of mid Atlantic going away, being replaced by this. Well, I have a, well, it's not really my theory. I'm sure there are a lot of people that agree. I think that language does evolve and that mm -hmm. the people that the Garfields of the world, the Bob Garfields, mm. not the cat Garfields. Right. It's like, don't drag Garfield <laughs> yeah. into this. Uh, the ones who rail against it so much, I think, are like, see, I say like a lot too, but people well, don't call yeah. me out on it. We also say, um, I get called out for saying, um, yeah, I get it. It's fine. I think though, you go ahead. Make so I think those people are just, they're feeling like they're not relevant any longer and no one wants to be a yes. dinosaur. Yes. And so I don't understand the language these young women are speaking, right? which is BS because a lot of younger people, men and women, speak that way. Right. It's just called the way the younger generation speaks. Right. And it's not like you, old man. Right. So just go off to pasture and choose some <laughs> right. cud. Yeah. Which is not the case. I don't think anybody's trying to make this the, the older, middle-aged white man feel irrelevant. We haven't. We're on our way there anyway. Sure. And I feel irrelevant, but it has nothing to do with upspeak or vocal fry. No, it's the music these kids are listening to these days. But I think, <laughs> I think you have nailed it on the head though. Like, like it is a form of contempt for being replaced by something new. Absolutely. Something that's different. And as we'll see, especially when it comes to linguistics, um, younger girls tend to be at the bleeding edge of yeah. linguistic changes. So, um, the, Perhaps, and this is all, we want to just make sure you guys understand that we understand this. Total pop psychology on our part. Sure. But it's also, it's intuitive. It makes a lot of sense. But the idea that um, older, middle-aged white men 
who are threatened by vocal fry or find it repulsive or repugnant or whatever, yeah. um, it, they are projecting their, their sense of being replaced, of being irrelevant, and being put out to pasture. I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's yeah. exactly what's It's not is. enough to, to control the free world for since the beginning of time. Right, which <laughs> the fact that they do uh-huh. is still um, says that's the reason why we're even having this conversation. That's the reason why yeah. some women find the need to go to speech therapists to get rid of their vocal fry, yeah. which is something that some even podcasters have done. All right, so let's talk up talk real quick. Uh, up talk or Valley Girl Speak uh, is when you end a sentence um, as if you're asking a question like that, and that has been a thing for a long time. Um, yeah, there was a first of all, too, we should point out that most of the studies we're going to put in here are terrible. Social psychology studies, yes, bunk almost all of them. Well, because they just they never do it right. You could do some decent studies on this, I think. Right, but uh, for instance, this one. Uh, at California, San Diego, they, <laughs> they did a close acoustical analysis of 23 Southern Californians. <laughs> Perfect. So Great guess, sample size. Yeah, two didn't show up. Uh, from very diverse backgrounds, apparently. I don't know how diverse you can get among 23 people. But uh, they said, here, here you have two tasks. Um, give directions with a map and then describe a sitcom clip. And they found that um, women did use uptalk twice as often as men. Okay. But... Um, in making uh, declarative statements like my appointment is at nine o'clock, men and women um, use rises the same. So like basically men did the same thing with that kind of statement. And then the other one that makes sense to me is when giving directions, a, uh, a lot of people use uptalk because it's you're sort of asking a question like, you know, go up to the McDonald's a Memorial Drive. It's basically saying, do you understand what I'm saying? Right. Are you following me? Yeah. It's almost, it's funny. I wondered this, Chuck, about uptalk in, in particular. Um, is it, is it like a, a way of kind of in, inadvertently mocking your listener? Like men trail off very frequently when women start talking. So have women evolved to basically keep men engaged at, at the end of each sentence? Like, yeah, are you still with me? Do I have to keep leading you along by the hand in this conversation? It would not surprise me. I wonder, you know, if that's where it originally came from. Um, Place holding or floor holding is another reason. Yeah. They found that women use up talk because they want to give um, the listener the idea that they're not done talking yet. Right. Uh, Don't interrupt me. And it might make sense. Maybe women are interrupted more than men. Well, I would say that's a distinct possibility. Yeah. Um, There's been a bit of a linguistic... uh, trace to this whole thing, the upspeak in particular. Vocal fry, I couldn't find, you know, where they think the origin of it was. But with upspeak, there was a, um, I believe she was a linguist named Cynthia McLemore back in 1991 at University of Texas in uh-huh. Austin. Um, she studied a sorority house on campus there and was the first person to detect upspeak, which became known as or which was already, I guess, known as, as Valley Girl. Right. But she, she didn't coin the term upspeak, but she was the first, I think, to really study it. Um, and then a guy named uh, James Gorman coined the term upspeak in like two years later. But Macklemore f- traced in this um, sorority house the origin of the up- upspeak to the very popular girls from L.A., Okay. I thought you were going to say to one sorority sister. No, I'm, I'm wondering though, if there is a, like a patient zero of this right, in the United yeah, States. Exactly. Um, back in LA, there's the Valley Girl talk that is clearly related to Upspeak, right? Yeah. And that movie was huge. Right. So 
back in the 60s, they've traced it back to Australia or New Zealand. Ah. So it is possible, and this is my own pet theory here, yeah, yeah. that some very popular girl moved from Australia or New Zealand to Los Angeles, sure. wowed her friends. She's so excited. We started emulating <laughs> the way she talked, which yeah. is upspeak, and uh, it spread from there. You know, now that I think of the Australian accent, it is sort of upspeaky, isn't it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they're like, cause there's like, basically like you're getting, uh, like, hitting the ribs with their elbow just the, <laughs> from the way they're talking. Like, uh, uh, yeah, are you following along? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. So let's, let's take a break, man. Take a break, man? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. We're back. This stuff fascinates me, by the way. I could I could be a linguist dicker. <laughs> I could study linguistics and be a linguistics uh, researcher and just, specialist. Just linguist? Linguist. Yeah. They no, kept it simple. I like linguisticer. <laughs> a no. linguisticer? Yeah. Sure. If you were Language a 13-year-old evolved. girl, that would be a widespread word 20 years from now. Right. And people like Bob Garfield would say, remember when we That's called it linguistics? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So specifically, let's just talk about the uh, what vocal fry actually is in the throat. Um, glottalization is probably the more scientific term, and what it is, it's a it's a vibration when your voice falls and your vocal cords flutter very slowly um, because they can't make the, a tone any longer at that register. Right. It's called chaotic flapping. Right. Chaotic glottal flapping. I like it. Yeah. And it sounds like it would hurt, but it actually doesn't. Except, although I think most um, ear, nose, and throat guys will tell you that um, if you did this in a sustained manner, yelling for a while, yeah, you could damage your vocal cords. Can you yell a vocal fry? I guess. <laughs> you almost tried. <laughs> I did, and I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, because I associate it with falling off of a sentence and not being loud. Right. You know? Which is where it's usually placed these days. Right. But this, uh, the author of this article on Husta Firks, Oisin Curran, who's become the, the grabster of late. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the modern times grabster. Oh, boy. Don't let me hear that. I'm, well, no, grabster's <laughs> still a legend. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying this person has stepped in to fill in the void a little bit. Well, let me say too quickly that uh, I'm doing nothing but listening to my voice right now, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine what it's like to constantly be worried about that. Because usually we come in here, it's our safe haven. I don't think twice about how I sound. Yeah. So I sound how I sound. Right. But to like put yourself under the microscope like that, mm-hmm. which is I think a lot of women in broadcasting probably like suffer from that. I just said like like five times. Yeah. You know? But I don't care. Who cares? You're a man. <laughs> You're a white male age 18 to 49. Yeah. Still under 49. Yeah. <laughs> is that the cutoff point? Then I become Bob Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Garfield's gonna hate us for this. Uh, so Garfield's not the only one. There are plenty of women out there calling out younger women, uh, saying it's a disempowering act to speak like this. Um, Naomi Wolf is one of them. She wrote uh, an article that I read, and she said it projects uncertainty and weakness and low intelligence. Uh, I doubt if she thinks it's the same when men do it, which is therein is it's. As black and white as you can be, like, what's the difference? Well, 
Yeah, I think that that's ultimately the thing. I think that that kind of is a, I think that argument misses the point, and it pops up a lot. People who defend girls and women's right to vocal fry sure. or upspeak or say like or just is another one. And yeah. I'm very guilty of that. It's like hedging your your actions. Like, I was just saying. Right, right. Not like I'm saying, like, this is what I'm saying. It's, I yeah. was just saying, like, I'm, I'm going to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with women feeling like they need to apologize all the time. Sure, using sorry a lot. Yeah. Um, with vocal fry in particular, though, there's, it doesn't, it doesn't really denote anything like what the people who are saying it, it does, does. Like, it doesn't necessarily denote that you don't have any confidence in what you're saying. Right. Um, it, I could see something like hedging things with just a lot or saying sorry a lot. Maybe so. But the idea that um, women have to be given advice on how to speak to keep up in this, you know, male-dominated world, again, I feel like it misses the point. I think that the, the better argument is to basically say, hey um, – what's the name of the mirror you're looking into there, buddy? What's your problem? Right. Like, really, honestly, what is your problem? Not why, you know, yes, let's get on the bandwagon and rail against girls and women who do this and totally ignore men that do. But what's the real problem? And I think ultimately the real problem is is these men have, whether they realize it or not, um, identified girls as uh, significant agents of change. That are bringing along a yeah. different world than these men grew up and were accustomed to. Sure, they're threatened. Right, um, and and they're right in a lot of ways. There's actually um, studies that point to women, and especially young girls, as the agents of change when it comes to grammar, vocabulary, um, and speech patterns in the Western world for hundreds of years now. Yeah. Um, did you read? Did you read a little bit about that study? Uh, which one? So there was one in, um, I believe 2009. And get this. These two, uh, Finnish researchers poured over 6,000 letters. 6,000 letters. And, um, they were from 1417 to 1681. And they found just handwritten letters. letters? Yeah. Okay. They found from these letters in the Western world that, um, women tended to adopt new, wor- new words faster. Yeah. Discard old words faster. Mm-hmm. And, um, just change their grammar and, uh, speech patterns or writing patterns much quicker than men did. Yeah. And then other studies have shown that men tend to pick up on this about 10 to 20 years later. <laughs> no shock. <laughs> so I think what's going on when you're saying, well, men do it too, it's like, yeah, men didn't do it at first. Men are starting to do it now. So if you take all this uh, as as fact and correct scientifically, then what we're seeing now is the widespread adoption of a change in speech pattern that began mm-hmm. 20 years ago. With younger women. Right, in the valley. Yeah. And has spread to... The rest of culture, yeah, um, and is being adopted, and this change to the the rules of grammar. There are rules to how you talk and address people. Right, that that's what's being railed against the change. But really, ultimately, again, speaking from a pop psychology standpoint, it's the world is changing, and these guys feel threatened by it because they don't know what's going to come after this. Nothing. That's the answer. People get uh, getting all worked up about the way people talk. Is just it's folly to me. It's nothing. It's language. It changes. Nothing bad is going to happen. They're going to wake up tomorrow, and the world's going to be exactly the same. Right. They're just not going to like it. 
yeah. the way some people talk. I think also though it's, it's deeper than that. It's like they they do have something to fear. They do have like their nest egg to to be lost in their in the stock market when it drops automatically. Or the Valley um, Girls are going to come take their money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, or not being being able to be employable but still needing a job at age seventy. You know, like I think there is a lot to fear, and I think it's being projected onto. Girls who vocal fry. Yeah, agreed. Okay, I'm all over the place. Let's take a break. I need to regain my composure. Okay. All right. All right, Chucker. So you were kind of talking about... um, you know, why people vocal fry. Why fry, yes. Right. And, and um, there's some pretty good answers to it that have been studied. Um, in addition to, like, up speak where you're – it's a placeholder. Sure. Where you're saying, don't interrupt me, there's more to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, or are you following this? Because I'm right. really trying to keep you engaged here, you know. Like, when you hear someone – when you hear an interrogative at the end of a statement, mm-hmm. you're immediately like, oh, I'm – I'm expected to respond. Right. So I better be paying attention. So this is almost like tricking people into paying attention. That's another way to do it. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good move to me. Right. On the other side, again, uh, it, there's the idea that uh, it, it says that women are unsure of their opinion mm-hmm. or anybody who uses Upspeak, unsure of their opinion. Um, by by keeping it a question, it it suggests that you can easily back off of it. Yeah. And I oh, actually, like you're not committing to your statement that much. Exactly. Yeah, sure. And I actually saw something. Uh, it was a 2001 article in The Guardian about Upspeak in particular. Mm-hmm. And um, they were saying that some people believe that Upspeak became prevalent as a result of PC, like the political correctness movement. Yeah. The, where it gives you the chance to be like, but I don't really agree with that. Right, right. You know, depending on the micro expressions of the person. Yeah, like you're have I just offended with. you in any exactly, way? Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, and that would actually that would kind of hold water in in a sense because we've definitely entered a a, a, a second phase of like the PC movement. It's sure. definitely been an, a surge in it about the same time as this surge in upspeak or uh, with it becoming widespread. It's possibility. Again, no one has any idea at this point. Right. But those are kind of the two sides for Upspeak. With Vocal Fry, it is um, the the critics of it say that it, it suggests that you are you sound unenthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, yeah, that's actually one of the tools that it it is. Yeah, that maybe it they're unenthusiastic about what they're saying. But you also said that it's um, it's been found to be employed, especially by younger girls, when they're trying to sound authoritative. Yeah. I mean, that's what some linguists have said. Right. Uh, here's another terrible study for you. And this one got a lot of press. I, I remember know. when it came out that you will have a harder time getting a job um, if you use vocal fry and upspeak. And for this one, uh, they had two different recording, uh, recordings. They played to 400 men and 400 women mm-hmm. from a range of groups, asked them to rate the speakers and who, who you might hire. And no one wanted to hire the vocal fryers. And what they came out with later was, oh, by the way, we didn't just use uh, regular people who happened to vocal fry. We got people to vocal fry on purpose, like to act it out right. and to do an accent, right. which is just throw the whole study out the window then. Well, see, in their in their defense, I'm sure this was all in the study, 
but the people in the media who reported on it didn't bother to read the study. They read the abstract, and then yeah. that's where all the headlines and the, the the tour through the news cycle came from, right? So the idea that um, these people who were who were trained as part of the study to speak in vocal fry yeah. were not native vocal fry speakers. Yeah. The idea is that that they came off sounding like robotic and stilted, and that right. yeah, it really has nothing to do with vocal fry. It's like you wouldn't hire somebody who's doing a bad mock British accent. Like me. Doing what? I don't know. Like they hire, if they hired me to do a study on like what British people thought of their accents, and they're right. like, let's get Chuck to do it. So do it. Well, no, of course not. Uh, That'd be terrible, mate. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be kind of funny, actually. If I'm you a chimney sweep. Like right. <laughs> uh, I, a, a lot of our colleagues, I mean, we're kind of getting on this late. A lot of our colleagues have already covered this. Um, Ira Glass um, did a segment on Vocal Fry. And he said that listeners always complained about young women reporting on our show. Um, they used to complain about like and upspeak, but now it's Vocal Fry. And he said, I am... A, a vocal fryer, self-admitted, oh, yeah. and no one ever writes me about that. Right. That's um, just how Ira Glass sounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, our buddy Roman Mars, yeah, the great 99% Invisible, um, his producer, Katie uh, Mingle, at one point they were getting so many emails about it, she uh, she got a... Uh, an auto-reply. Right. They set up an auto-reply that would basically scan your email to look for keywords and yeah. it could determine that you were complaining about her voice, yeah. this is what you got. Yeah, it said, uh, you've written in uh, to voice your dislike of one of our female reporters' voices. You're not alone. We have a filter set up that automatically sends these types of emails into a folder labeled zero priority. Uh, <laughs> we'll review this folder and consider the complaints within, well, never. Uh, amazingly, we don't even have a folder for complaints about the male voices on our show because we've never gotten one. Isn't that strange? We think so. Anyway, I uh, hope you can continue to enjoy your free podcast somehow. I <laughs> uh, love that one. Yeah. Uh, and if you can't, there are plenty of shows that don't feature women's voices at all. Boom. I know. That's one of the great all-time auto-applies. Yeah. That's pretty great, guys. So, Roman and uh, Katie, good for you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but you talked earlier about some of our colleagues also have gone to training and linguists to reduce their uh, vocal fry. Yeah. And... Uh, which one was it? Yeah, uh, Jessica Gross, who does a Slate podcast, um, right. or did, I'm not sure if she's still doing it, called Double X Gab Fest. Right. She actually went to a voice coach after receiving complaints. And uh, people like Penny Eckert, who uh, is a linguist, are saying, no, don't do that. Like, you're an agent of change. Yeah. Is what you are. Right. And that's, um, the weird thing is, is that would place, if if we are watching... Um, the evolution of Western speech, especially here in the United States right now, right? Yeah. And men are starting to vocal fry more and more. Men are starting to use upspeak more and more, which suggests that these things are going to become increasingly widespread as the years go by. Mm -hmm. Then the women who are doing it now are in a like a really terrible position because they uh, they grew up talking like this. Yeah. And now they're being forced to change and and. Emulate the the say the predominant white male version of talking, while the men are adopting it more and more, and then eventually down the road the women will be able to take it on again yeah. once enough men do. Isn't that nuts? It is nuts. But that's probably where things are going. But in the meantime, people like Jessica Gross have to go to speech therapists to learn to talk right. 
right. as far as her listeners go. And she was really worried that her career was being affected by this. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, Penny Eckert, the linguist who, who's um, quoted beneath her in this NPR article, is saying like, yeah, this is ridiculous. You can't tell people how to talk. Like, I can't imagine a better way to just offhandedly and casually trip somebody up and make them totally self-conscious than saying, by the way, your voice annoys everybody. I know. Do something about it. Yeah. I can't imagine. Forget that. Uh, Gross also points out, that NPR article was great. They did an interview with uh, a few a few women um, linguists and podcasters, and she points out about it's not just with the voice, it's um, with clothes they wear, and she used Silicon Valley as an example. Mark Zuckerberg wears a T-shirt and a hoodie to work every day. And all of a sudden, women who work in Silicon Valley, if you dress up and try and look nice, it's it goes against you. Yeah, you must be a dragon lady. Yeah, <laughs> or like, what's wrong with you? Why you? What's are you not smart? Why are you trying to are you trying to distract me with your good looks and your nice skirt? <laughs> right, wear something dumpy. <laughs> so now, of course, the culture there is. You go to work in Silicon Valley with your stupid hoodie and T-shirt on to fit in. So I also saw another example. There was a New York Magazine um, article from – I'm not entirely certain when, but it was called um, Can We Just Like Get Over the Way Women Talk by Ann Friedman. Man, that was a good one. It was from July. And she uh, interviews a, um, a, a, a – I think a feminist professor, yeah, who's basically saying like – uh, women are damned one way or another. Yeah. Right? Like, if they talk like men, they come off as overly aggressive and right. assertive. Sure. If they talk like women, they come off as dumb and un- unable to uh, to stand behind what they're saying, to have any conviction about what they're saying. Yeah. It's like, which one do you want? Yeah. Well, in that case, it's like, well, if you're the agent of change, I'd just go with that one. The one that's changing. The one that right. that, that you feel comfortable talking like. Don't play ball. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I read a cool article from The Guardian, too, that um, that showed that at Oxford University, young women get 5 to uh, 10% fewer first-class degrees in English, even though the exams are graded blindly. And professors there say it's because he observes female students and women saying, uh, like, letting the men speak first and second and third mm-hmm. before they even jump in. Right. So they're not even getting a chance to, like, shine. Because they're just so used to deferring to the right. dudes in the group. And I think that that's probably something, it's not necessarily just gender-based, but um, I think that uh, that's just a, a lack of confidence. It's displaying a lack of confidence, and I think it comes from just being treated that way your whole life. Yeah, agreed. Uh, here's another one from um, Amy Gidden, is uh, Director of Corporate Leadership at Barnard's College Athena Center for Leadership Studies. That's a long one. And uh, she said the deal, though, is there's a it's not that these women aren't confident. There's a disconnect going on Mm -hmm. because she interviewed uh, these ladies and they are self-advocates and they feel like they're uh, confident in their abilities Mm -hmm. and their smarts and ability to get things done. But they can't speak well about those things, according to men in the room. Mm. So it's it's not a lack of confidence. They have the confidence. It's just I think her point was that men pay attention to what men say and how oh, women yeah. say things. Right. Not necessarily what they're saying. Right. Which is just stupid. Yeah. And not fair. Plus also I think um if you like if you uh, are around somebody that you 
don't like, you're probably going to focus more on their uh, perceived flaws. And if it's something like vocal fry or something uh, like uh, upspeak, you're going to you're going to you're going to zero in on that basically. Yeah. So I wonder, like, how much of it is just misogyny too? Oh man, and this one, this is a great quote. Uh, this is stuff is just one more way of telling powerful women to shut up. Oh yeah, that kind of nails it on the head. Yeah, like I read that quote and that that crystallized it for me. Yep, it's like you said, it's disguised, uh, not so like heavily disguised <laughs> sexism. I think. Yeah, it's repulsive. It is. See, <laughs> uh, you got anything else? I got nothing else except just to, you know, be yourself. Yeah, be an agent of change. Yeah, don't listen to Bob Garfield. You know what? I hope this gets to him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you, (laughs) oh man, it really might. Yeah, Flame War with Bob Garfield. If you, uh, that'll be our second this year. Who was the other? Oh, the uh, Australian Mm -hmm. jerk. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to learn more about Vocal Fry, you can step out on the street and prick up your ears. You can also go to HowStuffWorks.com and type those words in the search bar. And since I said perk it's time for listener mail uh, i'm gonna call this cult deprogramming um guys who grew up in a cultish environment it wasn't uh like jim jones crew however the group made a clear distinction between us and them and getting out was difficult uh i was only able to get free a couple of years ago at the age of 24 and because of most of my current friends are still involved i haven't had the courage to tell them i'm still not out yet uh, i attended an independent fundamental baptist church uh, baptist churches in general aren't cults in fact, I still attend a Baptist church, uh, but the IFB churches are a thing unto themselves. They stand opposed to modern music, alcohol, and all Bible translations, except the King James Version. Uh, some take it further and add movie theaters, pants on women, beards on men, swimming in mixed company, and anything else you can imagine to the list of the verboten. Uh, these ideas, problematic as they are, are not why I consider my previous environment to be cultish. Rather, it was the attitude with which they viewed dissent. Uh, modern Bible versions are not simply inferior than King James. They're a part of the conspiracy to introduce error into God's word and poison uh, believers' faith. Modern music, even contemporary worship music, channels demons and feeds the flesh. It even kills plants. <laughs> huh. He didn't follow up on that. Asking why we should believe these things is welcome since it gives the leaders an opportunity to allow, I'm sorry, offer canned answers that we can regurgitate uh, to liberal contemporary crowd end quote huh so basically you're not questioning the interpretation you're questioning God himself so uh, he says now I am happily a member of a more contemporary Baptist church that while still fairly conservative in its beliefs and practices is much more open minded uh, keep up the awesome work that is from Anonymous <laughs> because the IFP will hunt him down <laughs> Uh, thanks, Anonymous. Appreciate that. Yeah, he was like, oh, totally read it. He or she, that is. Yeah. Did he, he just said, give it away? Yeah, but take my uh, name off of it. Yeah. He or she said that? Yep, they did. Uh, if you want to supplement an episode that we have recorded, you can get in touch with us by tweeting to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. 
more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 